comparison is really about looking at others and saying, I am not where they are. So it's totally fine to look at other people's lives and say, hmm, what can I learn from them? Or what would I like to take away from that? But if you're using their value system and what's important to them and what they're going after, and you start to make that your own and say, I should have those same things without asking, why is it that I want to have that in the first place? Then I think that's where we really get into the, the problems. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar, a podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. I'm Sarah Lee Kane, founder of High Fiving Dollars. And I'm Garrett Philbin, founder of Be Awesome Not Broke. As money coaches, we want to give you space to explore your relationship with money. The guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear, no topic is taboo. In this episode, we talk about how comparing ourselves to others takes a toll on both our financial and emotional well-being. We talk about how keeping up with the Joneses has evolved and been exacerbated by social media, how to catch ourselves when we fall into the comparison trap, and how getting clear on our priorities and values allows us to break that cycle. To find resources we shared in this episode, head over to www.beyondthedollar.co. Now get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. So Garrett, why are we talking about the comparison trap today? Now, more than ever, it is so easy to compare yourselves to other people. I know that this is not a new phenomenon, the whole keeping up with the Joneses idea, but today with social media, I feel like everyone's just like, social media is the reason for all the evils in the world. But it's so easy to look at Facebook, Instagram, and say, oh my God, their lives are awesome. They have things that I don't. And to be really triggered by what other people have and say, I don't have enough. I am not enough. And that can cause us to spend a lot of money on things that we think we should have because other people have them or we need to impress other people rather than asking, Hey, is this something or are these things that I really want and need? When you're talking about, you know, social media, yeah. People think it's like this evil thing, but I think what it is, it's it's amplifying the insecurities or strengths or whatever that we already have. So if you're thinking about keeping up with the Joneses, maybe previously pre-internet, you're only really looking around maybe your immediate community or immediate environment. So you're physically seeing things, right? Whereas now, social media allows us to reach people globally so we can see people's profiles and their amazing lives that they curate on you know, Facebook, which, which when we were talking about this topic, there was an article that I came across and the title is Dutch Girl Fakes a Five-Week Vacation to Southeast Asia by Posting Phony Photos on Facebook. And the cool thing, so this was actually a uh, college assignment that she did, but the crazy thing was she would actually wake up in the middle of the night to have Skype calls with her family and friends just so it seems like she is in Southeast Asia and that, you know, it's like the time differences and all of that. Like she would make de- get decorations in her um, bedroom and pretend it was a hotel room. Like she'd go to local restaurants and pretend that those were, you know, restaurants in Thailand and whatever. And it was just such a, I just thought it was so interesting because it got me thinking do we do this? Not like a college experiment or assignment, but do we, when we post photos, do we naturally want to post the best ones or the ones that are representative of the best part of our lives? Yes. Short answer. <laughs> yes. And you said pre-recording that you had deleted Instagram? Yeah, that was, 
So I finally admitted this after months. I was kind of one of in one of those where I'm like, I don't care what people think. Like I'm on Instagram, so I love the pretty pictures and and you know looking at yoga poses and all of that. But I found myself a mindlessly scrolling through the feed and following. I think I followed a bunch of travelers. Um, I think they had a contest or whatever. Anyway, so I found myself like wishing I was back in my 20s and single and being back in South Korea or going on a road trip across Australia. I was found myself wishing that. And then when I found myself daydreaming for like, I don't know, 10 minutes and my husband kind of just snapped me back into reality, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, And I realized the trigger was actually Instagram. I found myself comparing like how great, quote unquote, my life was pre-marriage, pre-kid, which is so not true, right? But I was doing that because I was looking at everybody's travel photos. And then I would think back, oh man, like, okay, well, Australia is kind of a sucky time <laughs> to those who know my story. Anyway, so I was like, no, I'm just going to delete Instagram and I'm going to see how my feelings are going to be for the next few weeks. And I deleted Instagram, I think it was five months ago, and I haven't looked back since. Did you find yourself being pulled to do anything financially, like take actions financially, or was it more of an emotional comparison and this feeling of, I wish I could be traveling more or be having this old life? Yeah. So something interesting that happened was I would reminisce about restaurants I go to or went to. And so then I started watching YouTube videos of Korean uh, cooks. And so I was like obsessing over how to make kimchi. I was obsessing over different dishes I used to have in South Korea when I lived there. And then I would then seek out supermarkets to go and buy groceries there. And it wasn't that I overspent, but it was such a change in behavior. It was so weird. Like, whereas, you know, every week I would just walk, like my Walmart was literally or is literally five minutes from where I live. I would just walk to Walmart, get what I need and then come home and not think about it. But now I was like obsessing for like an hour a week and driving, you know, somewhere like maybe 20 minutes away to get groceries where I could have probably gone the same things on Amazon, probably for cheaper. And that's one of the things with the comparison trap, this comparison game that I think is so problematic is we start becoming motivated by things outside of us that we think we should have or that other people have. And so we're extrinsically motivated rather than intrinsically motivated by saying, hey, what is it that I really want right now? You know, when we look and compare ourselves to others or reminisce about the good old times, then we're not necessarily asking ourselves, what is it that I want now in this moment? But we're really motivated by what we think other people want to see out of us. I think that's where we get into a lot of trouble. Talking back to the travel thing, you know, I've always been known as a traveler because I've been doing it all my life. And now that I'm actually staying put in a city for more than a year, like shocker to everybody, right? And the fact that I'm working from home, I have a kid, I'm married, like those were things that people never thought would happen to me because they were like, oh, we can live vicariously through you, Sarah. You can travel all over the world, do all this amazing stuff. And and I would have conversations with people now and, you know, I'm the one who's reacting. Not It's not their fault, but they would t start talking about all the adventures I used to go on and then I would start getting very triggered by it. And then it, it was almost like, man, I have to live up to this reputation, even though it's like I can change and I'm having adventures are just a different kind. And we should change. We probably shouldn't be the same people in our 30s that we were in our 20s, 
But that's, yeah, that's really interesting how you had this idea in your head of how other people saw you, which was true, but then you, is what I'm hearing, kind of became attached to this persona that you were for other people and them being able to live vicariously through you. And yeah, like that was you taking that on for them. How did you deal with that or work your way through that? I didn't really react like during the conversation. I would be like, oh yeah, that was such a great time. I mean, when I, I remember when I found myself going to all these Korean supermarkets, I would start thinking like, what is it that I actually miss about the travel? Like, what is it that I really truly crave? Like when I, when I would eat this kimchi that I made, like what are the feelings that are coming up, right? And I was like, I just miss that sense of curiosity and adventure and novelty almost, right? When I lived in Asia, there was such a sense of novelty. Everything was so different to me. And even going to like a supermarket, I remember trying to buy um, shampoo for like three weeks. I kept buying conditioner because I couldn't read the labels. Like that was, that's like a funny story because it's such a, again, a novelty, right? And so once I realized that, I was like, okay, what can I do to recreate those feelings again? And so one of the things that I've, I've been doing is being like, notice the way my son reacts to items or notice the way when we walk through the park, how he would just stare up in the sky and get so excited that he recognizes um objects and can name them like so his like he has this book that he's like absolutely obsessed with and so now he's like oh look it's a lake it's a dead tree here's grass here's a spider plant here's an ant and so i get to now live through his eyes as he's exploring the world well there's a term for that i think the childlike mind where you look at every new experience through pretending that it's through the eyes of a child and I think that's a really great way to go through it because you can find novelty in the stuff that's right around you and you can find excitement and you can find newness in that. And so it's not necessary to have to look for all of those things like outside your current situation, but you can find how to be happy and find newness and excitement right where you are. Because that's really, you know, comparison is really about looking at others and saying, I am not where they are. So it's totally fine to look at other people's lives and say, hmm, what can I learn from them? Or what would I like to take away from that? But if you're using their value system and what's important to them and what they're going after, and you start to make that your own and say, I should have those same things without asking, why is it that I want to have that in the first place? Then I think that's where we really get into the the problems. Yeah. And I was going to say another way of saying that is a feeling like I am not enough, that idea of enoughness again, right? And I think if I'm thinking back to the conversations I have with friends about when I'm traveling, uh, you know, I think one of the things that really triggered me, again, not them, totally me, right? Is, is it that I tied my identity so much into travel that I am now that I don't really do that anymore or not in the, the same capacity that I am not worthy as an individual, right? Like, I mean, if you think about, I'm trying to think about like some stay-at-home moms, not all, or people who define themselves by their job, like once they retire, like a lot of them sadly is so morbid, but drop dead within a few years because they, they've lost that sense of purpose, right? Or when children leave their the home, the mother's or 
okay, maybe parents fall into this depression, then their whole selves or most of their identity is tied into that. And so I think when we're feeling like that, that's when the comparison trap is like really, really heightened. So what I'm hearing you say is when we don't really know what it is that it's driving us, like what excites us or why, if we want to boil it down to that, that then that's when it becomes easier to play the comparison game. People kind of, again, we talked about this, I think, in previous episodes where we want to avoid the negative feelings. Like I, sometimes when I get really overwhelmed, I want to like avoid things too. I'm totally, I still do that, right? And I think when we want to avoid those feelings, we think, huh, you know what, if this girl went to Southeast Asia and travel is so was so great, made her happy, if I do that too, maybe that's going to give me those feelings. And so then that's when we start spending the money is when we have those feelings of like not enoughness or when we're down and then we compare ourselves to other people on social media, whatever. That's when the spending, I think, comes into play a lot. I think you're really spot on saying that if you ignore your feelings then that's when it's really easy to look at other people's lives and say, oh, here's how I can fill this feeling of lack or not enoughness. And then you you try to fill it with things that other people, that you see other people doing that is making them happy, or at least that they're posting the moments that show them happy, rather than sitting with it and saying, what is it really that I am struggling with? What is it really that I feel I am lacking? And if we miss that very critical step, then we'll start looking for solutions to make us happier, or feel more fulfilled that aren't actually connecting to what the underlying issue is. Yeah. Even back to the travel part of it, like back in my 20s, I was like, what was it that I liked about it? What was it like? What were the stories or the situations where I just felt the most alive? And, and it was actually a sense of community. So when I was in South Korea, I had some really great friends and we met through a website called Flickr. They would have like, uh, I think forums and groups. And so I actually actively sought these people out. We were like, hey, we're all expats. We're all into film photography. Let's hang out. And we became really good friends in that year. We would meet up in new places, teach each other how to take photos. We learned how to develop film or by ourselves. And anyways, it was so cool. And I was like, oh, that's what I missed. And I remember in Australia, my favorite thing was, you know, again, meeting new people and and all of that. And so I'm like, how can I cultivate that? And so what I actually did this week, and I'm a major introvert, like it took a lot for me to do this. I actually went on Facebook, ironically enough, (laughs) went on Facebook, went on some Facebook groups and said, hey, I'm a podcaster. I'm a blogger. I live in this area. Who do I know in this group that is from this area? So the cool thing was yesterday night, I actually connected with somebody that owns a podcast hosting company. There's like 35 podcasters in the area, and we're actually going to get together to meet up in this guy's office. And, and we're gonna do that once a month. So um, I'm joining Toastmasters. There's like a business networking group here. Anyways, I'm just joining all these groups because I'm like, hey, if I really enjoyed the community, why can't I do it in my own backyard? That's awesome. And really getting down to what it is that you want, peeling off the layers of the onion, getting to the core, and then building it back up. I can't remember what episode, I think it was five or six, where we talked about getting to the core desire and then saying, okay, if I really want community, then what are the different ways that I can then um, build back up and say, okay, this is one way, Toastmasters, to get a sense of community and improve my public speaking, 
or a business networking group. Now I can meet more people and also help grow my business. Well, the business networking event may cost money, but that's also an investment and Toastmasters a little bit, but it's satisfying that underlying need and want where if you hadn't taken the time to figure that out, you might be trying to satisfy it A, in more expensive ways and B, in ways that won't actually give you what you really want. I do just want to say, and I kind of have a beef with the personal finance community sometimes, when we talk about being good with our money or being mindful or let's do less is more or stop comparing ourselves, we talk about spending less or not spending at all. And that's not what the point is about. Like, let's say I spent a thousand dollars on a trip and I felt like shit, but I take that same thousand dollars and I spend it on Toastmasters, getting podcasting equipment, driving around, meeting friends, like it's still the same amount of money that I spent, but which one gives me more value? Which ones gives me, you know, a return on my investments or makes me feel better? So it's not about the actual number Right. Yes, you, you will probably save money by spending in a way that makes you happier, you know, really happier, but that's not the point. And just to take a small tangent there, I do think it is really important to have permission to spend money on the things that do matter to you. So even if you are in a situation where you feel like you don't have that much money, uh, I have a client couple right now who they'd cut their expenses down to the bone. And it was just really hard month after month to not have any money for the things that they cared about. So I think the biggest thing I did was give them permission to spend an extra $100 a month just to be able to have more fun. And it was really cool to see when they did that, they actually felt lighter. They felt happier. They had more capacity to think creatively about how to make more money. They knew what their values were and what was important to them, but they actually weren't putting their money toward it because they didn't think they had enough. But when they did, it opened up so much more energy and capacity in them. So that idea of not spending money, especially on the things that matter, I think is a faulty premise for sure. Yeah, no, I I love that because that actually reminds me of a client story too, where she was also on a bare bones budget. She was um, in between jobs. And so anyway, so... She was like, oh, man, I bought a new dress. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Let's put, you know, we're entering the numbers. And she's like, yeah, but it wasn't from a thrift store. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, why does it have to be from a thrift store? She's like, well, if I'm trying to pay down my debt, I I have to buy used clothes. Like, that's such a waste of money to buy a new one. And we had to, we actually had to talk through that because she wasn't giving herself permission to actually wear this dress. And I was like, well, you spent $200 on this dress and you're not going to wear it because you feel like you shouldn't buy a new dress, but yet you're not wearing it and you already spent the $200. Like, so, so we had to kind of walk through that. And so I was like, well, you have two choices. You either wear the dress or you return it. And she ended up wearing the dress and she, I think, I, anyway, she ended up getting like a really great job. And she's like, oh, I, like, I actually got paid the day my, um, my bank, or not my bank, my credit card balance was due. So it actually... I actually could pay it. And I was like, well, there you go, right? So feeling like you're enough and giving yourself permission to do something. Now, like, I guess going with that, take very calculated risk or think it through before you do it, right? Because there's that whole idea from giving yourself permission to that feeling of like, I deserve this, right? Um, So you you almost don't want to go into that territory. That's when it, it does get hot water. So if you find yourself comparing yourself to other people and looking at their lives and saying, oh man, they are traveling or they're doing all these other things that I think that I want. How can you notice, what can you do to help break that uh, 
almost like flip a switch and notice that you're in that comparison game and how can you get yourself back to discovering what it is that you want and getting out of that trap? Um, Good question. I think when you immediately start noticing that, so let's say you're on social media or you're reading a blog or whatever, turn it off. I actually have a, uh, a blocker, like a Chrome extension, where I block Twitter and Facebook for certain times of the day where I just don't check it. And uh, I, I pretty much unsubscribe from every single email out there with the exception of like maybe one or two because I found myself looking at all the things <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm getting overwhelmed. This is like totally not helping me. So removing the distractions is one. And I think when you, let's say you do read a story and you start feeling jealous or not enough, the question like I really like to ask myself is what did they sacrifice to get there? I remember um, comparing myself to this one freelance writer. She's like uber successful, has a wonderful community, successful website, all of this. And I found myself comparing myself to her. Now she's like been doing this for 20 years, right? Like this is my fifth year in business. And so I had to stop and like, what did she sacrifice to get here? And funnily enough, the next day, she actually sent an email. was like, this is a blog I wrote very personal about some of the things I had to struggle with as a freelancer. So she actually wrote about like, um, I think her kid went through depression. She was like very isolated when she was, you know, a young mother, all this stuff. And I was like, okay, when we see success, we don't think about what it takes to get there, right? There's that whole, you know, myth of the overnight success person. So some friends have looked at me like, oh, you know, your life is so great. You've been so lucky. And I'm like, you don't understand some of the things that I've had to gone through to get to where I am. If you want my success, then are you willing to go through all that shit to get to where I am? I think there are two things there. A, your life is not as awesome as people think it is. So that's just reality no matter where you are at. Even if your friends think your life is awesome, no offense, but your life is not as awesome as your friends think it is. (laughs) Yeah, I know. No one's is. And have they stopped to think whether your life is really what they want? Like, is what you are showing what their values are? For example, I could look at Richard Branson and say, dude, how does that guy kick so much ass and run all these different companies and have his own island? But is that even what I want? It's cool to see how someone has been so wildly successful. But if I stop and think, like, do I want that and everything that comes with that life? Probably not. And so I think something that people can do as well when they get into that trap of comparing themselves to others is to just stop and write down what makes them happy. What are the things that they value? I like the outdoors. I like having some time to myself. I'm an extroverted introvert. I enjoy traveling as well, but how important is it to travel all the time? You know, for me, is it international travel? Is it local? Could I just go camping a half hour away? These are things that I'm asking myself right now. And so until I have more clarity there, I think it's important to stay away from trying to fulfill those underlying needs if I'm not super clear on them. Yeah, so it'd be a good exercise for me to do as well, to just sit down and say, okay, values, priorities, what are the things I like? And that is a really good antidote to comparing ourselves to others. And just going with the Richard Branson example, I was reminded of a conversation I had with somebody a few weeks ago about business. And we were just chatting about 
how we grew a business and mine was like very accidental. I'm like, oh, this led to this, this led to this. And now I quit my job. He's like, things don't happen by accident. Like you have to work for this. And like, you have to, you know, hire all these employees to get to where you are. And like, that's my plan is, you know, make, I forgot what he said, but he was like, I want to make all this amount and then sell it and then retire. I'm like, well, that's good for you. I said, this business for me is a lifestyle business. I don't really plan on retiring in the traditional sense. Yes, I would like to get to a point where I don't have to trade time for money all the time, but I enjoy what I do. And even if you know I reach financial independence status or to the point where my you know, investments pay for my bills, I still want to work. I might work less. I might work in a different capacity. And I'm, you know, and I remember having that conversation and I think it really opened his eyes to like, oh, there's different versions of success. Like I'm perfectly happy right now being a solopreneur. Yes, I do have help. I have virtual assistants helping me and all of that. So I don't do it all by myself. That's impossible. (laughs) But I've been, I, I, I used to compare myself. I'm like, oh, I need to have this to be a multi-million dollar company. But at the end of the day, the purpose of my business is to help other people, which I'm doing, stay at home with my son, which I'm doing, and have some time to myself, which I do. And it may change, right? At some point, like you said, you may want to have more flexibility, be able to trade, get out of that trading time for money, or maybe you will get to the point where you're like, I do want to somehow turn this into something that I can sell to someone else. And that will be when it will be, if if it turns to that. I think what's good is right now, you recognizing what it is that you want, saying it doesn't have to be anything else, and at the same time, realizing that that can totally change, and if and when it does, that's perfect. Yeah, just give yourself permission to change. Like I remember when I was younger, I was like, I'm not getting married. Like I'm not gonna be tied down. Screw that. I'm not having a kid. That That's like, you know, the last thing I want. That's, I want freedom. I want this and that. And look what happened. I'm, <laughs> I'm married. I have a kid. I changed my mind on what I what I wanted. And it's okay. Like give yourself permission for all of that. Um, I hope we're not going off a big tangent, but give yourself permission to sit with yourself. You can journal it out, whatever, and just say, what do I want? If you're comparing yourself to other people, that's a trigger to really ask yourself those questions. And that's honestly what I want to end it with is if you find yourself comparing yourself to other people, the first and most important step to start taking is just to notice that that comparison is happening. So just to start becoming aware and noticing that, not worrying too much at first about how to solve it in the long run, but I would say just notice that the comparison is happening and then do whatever you need to do, close Instagram or unsubscribe from that email list that you're on to just take that first step to breaking that cycle. And then from there, you can start taking other steps, but just to start, if there's one actionable takeaway that you get for today is to just break that twitch. And that'll be the first step to making progress and really getting out of that comparison cycle and trap. Yeah. And, and I want to add to like, if, if you're one of those all or nothing people, like I used to be one of those that you might have to go maybe a little extreme in the beginning with something like that. Like I was, you know, I'm just thinking about Kate Flanders shopping ban, for example, like she found herself not wanting, not saving the money that she thought she would. And then she stopped spending, not stopped spending. She put herself on a shopping ban for a year where she didn't, she had a list of things she could buy, right. Aside from the necessities and then all of the stuff started coming up for her. Anyways, really great book, The Year of Less, if anybody 
is interested in another book to read. Um, you know, it just reminds me of that. Like she learned so much about herself in the process, what she wanted, giving herself permission to do the things that she wanted and felt good for her. Um, I thought it was a really great lesson or message in that book. Agreed. Well, thanks for another fun discussion. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to another episode. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Dollar. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. And if you can think of one awesome human who would connect with what we talked about today, we'd love you forever if you shared this episode with them. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar.